You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. On Belief is a show about true survivor stories of escaping cults and high demand groups. If that describes you and you'd like to tell your story, it can be anonymous, please email me at info at onbelief.com. feel any better i don't kill people on mondays relax people have been killing people for thousands of years okay god made people for people to kill that's how it works i know god we're pretty tight i'm just kidding i'm damned i tried not killing people for a while but i just couldn't do it but i feel good that i tried if i didn't kill people the human population would take over the earth you're welcome You'd probably be happier if you killed people. And you'd have more energy. It's not murder, it's slaughter. They're different, two different things. What you've been listening to is an ad for controversial animal rights group PETA. My guest today worked at PETA and had an experience that they claim was a very high demand experience and a very coercive work environment. His claims are backed up by hundreds of Glassdoor.com reviews of working at PETA. Ex-workers have also written their own blog posts. There are posts available on Facebook. And as you'll hear in the interview, this is not a typical work environment. Welcome Jordan Ewell, writer and co-host of the Insurgents podcast. Welcome, Jordan. Jordan, let's go back to the beginning. What attracted you to working at a place like PETA? So I was a vegetarian in college, had been for a few years. You know, I was passionate about it for health reasons, environmental reasons, animal welfare, all of it. I mean, I just kind of checked a list of ethical boxes, and I want I wanted to work in nonprofit, uh, the nonprofit space and advocacy. So this kind of this seemed like a good fit. Um, they were hiring at the time. It just, yeah, it felt like a, like a cool uh, job out of college. Enthusiastic about it and excited about it. Uh, just dove in head first. Did you have any connection to PETA when you were in college? Did you do any work with PETA too? Uh, not directly. So yeah, PETA 2 is the campus and youth outreach wing of PETA. If that still exists, I, I for, for some reason I feel like they just kind of folded up shop and just call it all PETA now. But yeah, PETA 2 was really big, like uh, in Warp Tour and growing up. Of, and I still am like in the hardcore metal, but I would see them always at Warp Tour. I would see their their stuff um, at shows and even one of the bands that I like between the Buried and Me, uh, the bassist, Dan, spray painted, uh, I think either Go Veg or PETA 2 or something on his uh, cab, on his speakers. So I would see these messages 
and their branding all over the place. They had a really effective outreach wing and arm. So I was familiar with them, didn't know anybody, but I knew of the group and I knew of their work. I remember getting one of their DVDs of factory farm footage at Warped Tour and watching it when I was younger and thinking it was pretty terrible. When you look back on some of those videos, do you find them exploitative now? Yes and no. So I think a lot of people don't like those videos because they're gruesome, and they are. I think they can be effective in getting people to consider their their consumption, their choices, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I also think that the way PETA uses them are it's just more for shock value instead of actual, you know, conversion like to like a, a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle. It's not. I don't know. I just think it's it's just in your face just to be shocking and not like the best type of advocacy or the best approach. Uh, I saw just coincidentally, I saw a tweet from Glenn Greenwald the other day where he showed just uh, chicks. So male chicks are just discarded because they're they don't lay eggs, you know, whatever. So from the jump, they're just kind of just just sword and on a thrown on a conveyor belt and they're killed. And it's not as gruesome as like, you know, a cow being like butchered or, you know, a pig squealing and being killed or just electrocuted or whatever. Those are the videos that you commonly see because it's the most galling. But you don't see this type of like he's, he called it mechanized cruelty. And I think those could go a lot like a longer way when you see just the mass scale uh, of, of factory farming. And also if we were to tie in. An environmental component, I think they would go a lot longer. Uh, go a lot, that those would those videos would go a lot farther in in convincing people to consider how much meat they consume, or maybe switching to alternative meat products or whatever for the environment, for animal welfare, whatever their health, um, than just these shocking in-your-face videos. Let's talk about when you interviewed a PETA. Was there anything unusual that they asked you in the interview? Yeah, so the, the number one weird thing about the interview process is they want you to work multiple days for free, full-time. Kind of weird in retrospect, but I mean, when they kind of, people want to work there mostly for the cause, so they, this is kind of, this should have been a red flag, that they will take advantage of your compassion to kind of groom you into a, 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 a substandard working environment. But they want you to work multiple days for free, and they frame this as, uh, well, we want to see if you're a good fit for the office, uh, the culture and the office culture and the work and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, multiple days. Multiple days they want you to work for free. Uh, that's the biggest, I think, weird part of the interview process. Um, another one was they wanted you to talk about your stance on euthanasia for animals and this is because they've got a kind of a troubling stance on euthanasia so they're trying to filter out people who might be uh, opposed to it from the get-go for people who might not know what that is can you elaborate on that stance you were you're seeing a rise in no-kill shelters uh animal shelters around the country because people are like you know what we should just hold them until we can just adopt them out or, or whatever we shouldn't kill because the alternative is if you're overcrowded, the alternative is just like euthanizing these animals. And there's a overpopulation crisis because, you know, you've got millions of dogs and cats 
running around just stray uh, because people aren't spaying and neutering uh, as much. And it's tough also, like if they can't afford it, um, and you know, shelters can only do so much and you know, there's not a whole lot of money to be made in, in animal welfare. So it's like they can't spay and neuter themselves either. So it's, it's tough because they produce litters at a time and that's just exponential growth. So PETA's stance is you should just euthanize them if you're overcrowded. And in application, that's tough because at their Norfolk office, um, they aren't operating like an actual shelter. They It's just an office building, and they have just like two little holding cells for like if they catch a stray or something like that in, just in the neighborhood. Um, but it doesn't operate like – it's not operating like a shelter. So when people bring them animals, they'll just euthanize them. And in, in, in their defense, they do try to adopt them out sometimes to shelters in – that Nor- the Norfolk area, but if they're overcrowded, that leads to sometimes uh, euthanizing animals that are healthy. Were you taken aback by any of the requests made of you in the interview stage? <laughs> yeah, the working for free thing was really weird. It's gotten weirder in retrospect because now if someone asked me to work for free for two days, I'd tell them to fuck off. But uh, uh, just no, because it's just like just, you're you're not. You're paying for my labor. But as a, a kid out of college who needed an entry-level job, like you're much more willing to just do that. And seeing people come and go to do that and not get the job was like so bizarre. Like someone flew uh, out there from, uh, I think, St. Louis one time and worked one day and then just didn't get the job. And it's just like they don't co- they don't cover your transportation they don't um, pay you for your time. They'll put you up in, in in like property they own or a hotel or whatever in the area, but they will not pay for your transportation or anything else, which is just nuts when you think about it. I got into lunch. I got like a sandwich, but that that's it. <laughs> like so messed up. When you started working there, what was the onboarding like? So the another red flag about how they take advantage of people's compassion, they pay very, very low, which is, you know, common in nonprofits, but this was like way lower than other nonprofits. Like really, really difficult to survive low. And I remember looking at the cost of living um, and everything. And when they made the offer, I just went back and was like, hey, this is going to be really tough. Is there any way you could increase the salary? It's just, you know, standard negotiation process. And uh, I was responded to with this like borderline vicious email that was basically just like every dollar we don't spend on saving animals is blah 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 like this they could die and all this shit and just like it's also making us question whether you're committed to the cause and all this stuff and it's just like whoa okay wow sorry yeah no no okay i'll just it's it's fine i'll make it work um and again in retrospect it's like no fuck them they blow a ton of money on stupid stunts and like just asinine like campaigns to get press attention uh they've got the money they just didn't want to spend it like just 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 absolutely fucking insane. And uh, yeah, they 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 use that type of rhetoric 
to keep people's salaries uh, artificially low, to beat back criticism, to beat back complaints. And yeah, that was another should have been a red flag for me when they use that kind of line when I asked when I just tried to engage in a very standard salary negotiation process. I looked it up. Do you know how much money they pulled in in 2018? It was a bit over $50 million. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, when I started there, they they paid me 35000 uh, which was like insanely low for where I was living. And eventually I got a raise and got it up to 42 like a year later, but like still really low for for this for the area and just the fact that at 35 they were really indignant that i would dare to ask for just a little bit more so i could just pay my bills just insane so what were the kinds of tasks that they had you do during your work day and how did they train you so the person who was directly above me was super cool yeah see her every once in a while she was she's 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 cool um, so I did comms and media and just booked, um, anytime a reporter would call then this is really going to give it away of who I am. <laughs> Every time a reporter would call, it would go to me and I would just book the interviews. Um, sometimes draft statements to give to them if they just needed a quick paragraph or something, things like that. I was on call, just did media work. So I was in the comms department. So it wasn't like hands on with any of the cruelty stuff thankfully, because that was like super heavy or any like the investigations or anything like that or the campaigns. I didn't really do anything like that. So what were the hours like there and what was the sort of expectation on your commitment? Hours were, God, I'm trying to think what time I had to be there, 9 to 5.30. They were very, very strict on time. If you were like a minute late or a couple minutes late, they would like give you hell uh, I had a friend who was eventually fired for being like five minutes late one time, um, which is kind of nuts. But especially when you're relying on public transit, notoriously bad public transit, um, just really, really brutal sometimes. Um, the I was also on call uh, all the time, like 24-7. So if someone called in the middle of the night, I'd have to take it and, and rapidly respond like within an hour to their their media request so very draining in the long run and in about about eight months into it i had like a breakdown because it was just like i felt like so stressed i had never experienced anything like it before again first job out of college and just being on call constantly with no break was was really really difficult so how often would you have had to work in the middle of the night uh not too often but it just like never being able to disconnect was really unnerving even just it was just felt like constant like fear of because they were you know they'd come down hard on you if you blow it because they just they 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 don't spend a lot of money on advertising so a lot of their stuff comes through media so they they prioritize and value this and um this was really 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 hard after a while because you could never feel disconnected or hate like you had any time off to unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.